0: One, two, three. this is Radio Free Mormon, on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight we have a special report regarding John DeLynn, the Open Stories Foundation, and the former employee of the Open Stories Foundation, Jen Camp. Jen Camp has created her own podcast in which she has talked recently about filing a lawsuit in January against John DeLynn and the Open Stories Foundation foundation i am receiving late breaking word that the open stories foundation and john delin have filed a countersuit against jen camp that this occurred yesterday february 7th 2023 and i have located a copy of the complaint in as much as it is now public record and i want to go over that complaint with you on today's show here is that complaint. It is filed in the Third District Court, Salt Lake County, State of Utah. The parties are the Open Stories Foundation and John DeLynn, plaintiffs versus Jennifer Camp, an individual, and Doe's 1 through 10. I believe that means John or Jane Doe's 1 through 10, people who are right now unidentified and unidentifiable, but leaving it open for the possibility of there being additional defendants being added to this lawsuit. It is case number 2309 00882 and commences as follows Plaintiffs Open Stories Foundation, OSF, and John DeLynn hereby complain against defendant Jennifer Camp and DOES 1 through 10 as set forth below. Nature of the case Number one, this case arises from OSF's disgruntled former employee defendant Jennifer Camp for knowingly and maliciously publishing verifiably false and defamatory statements about OSF and its executive director, John Delin, and making false claims against them. Paragraph 2. Camp made these false claims against OSF and Delin out of anger in response to being terminated with cause and in an effort to extort funds from OSF. When OSF refused to succumb to blackmail because the claims were baseless, she lashed out and knowingly posted false and defamatory information about OSF and DeLynn on two YouTube channels and, on Information and Belief, published false and defamatory information about OSF and DeLynn to third parties. Paragraph 3. OSF and DeLynn seek injunctive relief and damages for Camp's defamation and tortious interference with its operations. The next section is about parties, jurisdiction, and venue. That's just establishing that this court does have venue over the action. I'm gonna skip that because I think it's kind of boring. Except for the last paragraph, Because the alleged damages and amount in controversy is greater than $50,000 but less than $300,000, this is a Tier 2 action pursuant to Rule 26c3 of the Utah Rules of Civil Procedure. Now we get to the section Designated General Allegations. First, Camp begins working for OSF. In January 2022, OSF hired Camp as Director of Operations. In the director of operations position, camp's duties included A, planning and managing events, B, basic office duties such as collecting mail from the post office, paying bills, depositing donation checks, and managing OSF payroll, along with C, various podcast production responsibilities, including occasional audio engineering, helping with video lighting, managing OSF's content management process, and helping with research and writing related to upcoming guests and episodes. Although Camp lacked most of the skills she was hired to perform, she presented as a longtime listener and fan of Mormon stories and expressed a willingness to learn. She was eager to assume additional responsibilities. It was important to OSF that the person occupying the Director of Operations position be available to come into the office during work hours as needed by the Executive Director. Camp assured the OSF board that she lived within 20 minutes of the OSF office and would be available as needed to come into the office during work hours. In spite of her lack of skills or experience in a nonprofit director of operations role, OSF hired Camp at a higher hourly wage than she was making in her previous job. After two months in her position, Camp was earning over $60,000 annually with minimal prior experience relative to her position. Shortly after hiring Camp, Delin and the board decided to no longer host events, relieving Camp of one of her primary duties. Lynn and the board also subsequently decided to develop additional podcast co-hosts in addition to Cara Burrell, Gerardo Simano, John Larson, and Margie Delin. Camp expressed a very strong interest in becoming a co host of Mormon Stories podcast. Even though Camp lacked any podcasting experience, OSF was open to allowing her to co host, so long as it did not interfere with her other duties as director of operations. Camp eagerly agreed to co host and thereafter served as a semi regular co host of Mormon Stories podcast. The next section is titled Performance Issues. Almost immediately after starting with OSF, and especially after she began co-hosting, there were problems with Camp's performance in the director of operations role. For example, Camp struggled with payroll, overpaying herself, and or miscalculating hours, failed to renew the OSF director's and officer's insurance in a timely manner, causing the board insurance to lapse, and continually failed to meet expectations pertaining to podcast production. When Kara Burrell amicably departed OSF in April 2022, Camp expressed a strong desire to assume all of Ms. Burrell's remaining responsibilities, which included oversight of OSF's video shorts program, e.g. TikTok and Instagram, and the management of OSF's social media assets, in addition to her existing duties. Although OSF expressed concern that Camp would not be able to complete all of her duties, Camp insisted that she take over Ms. Burrell's responsibilities as well. OSF eventually agreed, upon the condition, that Camp never work more than 40 hours per week. If she could not complete her duties in 40 hours, OSF directed her on multiple occasions in writing to notify DeLynn and they would arrange for someone else to complete those tasks. Camp agreed, but her job performance and work suffered, and she began acting increasingly entitled. In a matter of a few months, she asked for three raises, inappropriately referencing the confidential payroll information entrusted to her as leverage. OSF agreed to two of Camp's requests, but declined a third request. By the end of Camp's time with OSF, she was earning around $80,000 a year in salary, with the potential for an annual performance bonus. In June 2022, because of the unceasing compensation-related drama Camp caused OSF, the OSF board decided to relieve Camp of her payroll duties. Camp displayed excessive and unprofessional anger in response to this decision, yelling and crying at Delin. This inappropriate behavior was reported at the time to the board by Delin. Camp also began to shirk off her primary work duties. For example, there were continual podcast production errors and Camp significantly mismanaged the shorts social media aspects of her position. Shorts there referring to YouTube shorts, I'm sure. During the period, Camp also asked for permission to work from home two days a week so that she could attend a life coaching class. She apparently planned on launching an independent life coaching practice and multiple webinars in addition to her job at OSF, even though she was struggling to adequately complete her responsibilities for OSF and complaining about overwork and exhaustion. As Fridays were already designated as work from home days, Camp's request to work from home two additional days left her working away from the office more days than not, which increasingly impacted her job performance in a negative way. OSF was flexible in response to each of Camp's requests to either take on more responsibility or to develop additional personal business pursuits outside of her OSF duties but advised Camp that it still expected her to be available to complete her job duties during work hours and to meet in person at the OSF office as needed. Over time, Camp was rarely in the office outside of her podcast co-hosting duties and had difficulty completing important assignments in the manner fitting of her position and compensation level. And it became less and less clear how Camp was occupying the 40 hours per week for which he was being paid. OSF expressed this concern to her. When Camp was asked about her work performance issues, she would become defensive or redirect blame to someone else. She refused to accept even minor constructive criticism. Camp also had difficulty getting along with several staff members, showing a tendency to hold grudges at the slightest perceived offense, and refusing to work with certain strategic staff members. Camp became possessive of her role as Mormon Stories podcast co-host. In one instance, when Delin chose another person to co-host a few episodes, Camp yelled and cried at Delin, telling him that every time he used a different co-host than Camp, he was quote, taking money out of her pocket, unquote. She also insisted that she was superior to other long-standing female co-hosts in spite of listener feedback to the contrary. Camp even tried to impose upon DeLynn a quota for how many times per month she required him to allow her to co-host the podcast. This left DeLynn feeling like Camp's desire for additional compensation and her own personal ambitions too often came at the expense of the well-being of OSF. Over time, it became apparent that Camp had insufficient desire to perform the job for which she had been hired, director of operations, and instead wanted to host her own podcast, either with OSF or independently. Camp seemed most interested in starting her own coaching business, using her position with OSF as a way to gain skills and contacts for her private business pursuits, as well as a way to market her private business interests in a way that was often detrimental to OSF. In late June 2022, Camp became fixated on the idea of lead hosting a panel about abortion, apparently secretly harboring the belief that this podcast episode. Would help launch her podcasting career. As Camp had no experience either lead hosting podcasts or moderating podcast panels, DeLynn suggested a trusted colleague to co host with Camp. In response to DeLynn's suggestion, Camp exploded, accusing DeLynn of trying to steal her idea, quote unquote, and refusing to work with the other experienced co host. OSF eventually allowed Camp to record the podcast. The Women's Voices Panel, apparently that's the title, The Women's Voices Panel, on July 22, 2022, at great expense to OSF. Camp decided to use this opportunity, what she thought would be her breakout podcast, to disclose specific personal details about abuse with an LDS slash Mormon church context that she had mentioned during at least one earlier published podcast and to announce that further details of her abuse would be disclosed on an upcoming podcast that she had already scheduled to air on the same day that she planned to launch her life coaching business. After the July 22nd podcast was recorded, however, there were multiple concerns about the quality of the podcast, voiced by multiple OSF staff members, and it was not aired. Camp was undeterred by OSF's decision not to air the July 22nd podcast and continued to suggest dates for it to be broadcast. On July 27th, 2022, DeLynn wrote to Camp about her job performance, stating that she needed to be coming to the office regularly, and that they needed to work on getting the publishing process running more smoothly. Camp initially deflected blame and criticized DeLynn for her failures, but eventually agreed that she would start coming into work Monday through Thursday. The next section is titled The August 25th Meeting. When her availability, performance, and attitude did not improve, on Thursday, August 25, 2022, Delin asked Camp to meet him at the OSF office to, among other items, talk about an employee Camp had expressed a desire to terminate, whom Camp had been managing as director of operations. When Camp seemed reluctant to come into the office, Delin gave her the option of meeting remotely but suggested that they could have a more productive conversation if it was in person. He also indicated that he wanted to check in with her about her responsibilities as both director of operations and co-host, and about her availability to meet the requirements of these positions. Camp agreed to come in. When she arrived, however, Camp excoriated DeLynn, questioning his decision to ask her to come into the office, and demanding that he give her 24 hours' notice before requesting that she come to the office during work hours. She cried, yelled, and acted in a wholly unprofessional manner that would have justified Delin terminating her on the spot for insubordination. Dillon tried repeatedly to de-escalate the conversation, to no avail. When it became apparent that nothing productive would come from the meeting, Dillon ended it. As Camp left the OSF office, she informed DeLynn that she had secretly recorded the meeting. Delin viewed Camp's actions as threatening, unprofessional, and a significant breach of trust. Delin and Camp each independently contacted the board that evening to complain about the other's conduct during the August 25th meeting. The next section is titled, The Board Meeting. In response, the board convened a meeting on August 30, 2022, with both Delin and Camp present. Prior to that meeting, Delin indicated to members of the board, as he had previously, that he thought they needed to restructure the director of operations position because of Camp's ongoing performance concerns. The board gave Camp the option of having the meeting without Delin, but suggested it would be more productive to have them both present so each of them could hear the other's perspective. Camp agreed to proceed with DeLynn on the Zoom call and each was given an opportunity to present their version of what occurred during the August 25th meeting. Camp spoke for more than two-thirds of the nearly two-hour meeting. Camp falsely claimed to the board that during the August 25th meeting, DeLynn, A, threatened her job if she did not appear in person, B, yelled at her, and C, physically threatened her to the point that she felt unsafe. Dillon apologized for acting childish during the meeting, but was adamant that he had not threatened Camp physically or otherwise. Camp acknowledged in the board meeting that much of her anger during the August 25th meeting had been misdirected at Delin and was actually a reaction to how she had been treated by a previous boss. Camp acknowledged that she had recorded the meeting But when asked to replay the meeting for the board so that it could test the veracity of their statements, Camp claimed that she had deleted it. When asked about her relationship with Dillon generally, she responded that she loves working with him and they make a good team, quote-unquote. She acknowledged the August 25th meeting was the only time she had ever had a significant problem working with him. Neither in the eight months prior to nor during the meeting, though given ample opportunity to do so, did Camp report or suggest that she had ever felt sexually harassed by DeLynn in any way. The board and DeLynn both expressed concerns that Camp had covertly taped the August 25th meeting with DeLynn, concluding that such conduct was not conducive to the relationship of trust they would need to work together. During the meeting, the board told Camp that it would likely be restructuring her position but was unsure how exactly that would impact Camp's job duties. Specifically, DeLynn said that her role of director of operations and co-host is not working. At the end of the meeting, DeLynn also related to Camp his concerns with her ongoing unprofessional workplace behavior, specifically citing her misuse of private payroll information, her anger and jealousy toward other female co-hosts, her tendency to hold grudges with key staff members, her insubordination and demands, her mismanagement of the Shorts business, and her breach of trust. When Camp asked Delin directly if he wanted their working relationship to continue, Delin admitted that he was unsure if these issues were resolvable by that point. After the meeting concluded at Camp's and the board's request, Delin checked OSF's security footage to see if the August 25th meeting had been captured. It had. Upon reviewing the footage and the communications between Camp and DeLynn during the August 25th meeting, the board reached the unanimous conclusion that Camp had been dishonest with the board and intentionally mischaracterized her interaction with DeLynn. With this evidence of dishonesty, especially when paired with Camp's history of non-performance, entitled behavior, insubordination, and poor workplace relations, the board decided to restructure the Director of Operations position. The next section is titled, The Cryptic Text and Job Abandonment. Before the board could discuss this with Camp, however, Camp made a last-ditch effort to save her job. Shortly after the board meeting, she sent a scanned copy of OSF's anti-harassment and anti-discrimination statement via text to Carrie Whitbeck and Clint Martin, two of OSF's three board members. When Carrie Whitbeck asked why Camp sent it and said she wasn't aware what the statement had to do with the board's decision, Camp responded in text with a vague claim that Delin and his prior co-host had exchanged sexual jokes and innuendo with each other when they worked together at least five months earlier. She acknowledged that this conduct had stopped. She then referenced a single instance in early August with DeLynn, using the verbiage quote, thinking about it now, it doesn't feel right, unquote, wherein she made a sexual joke to DeLynn after watching a video that contained, in her words, oral sex language, unquote. Nowhere in the text or elsewhere does she say that DeLynn asked her to watch the video or specifically claim that she was sexually harassed by DeLynn, but the board was concerned about Camp's characterization of the video and decided to investigate. Upon further investigation, the board was presented with evidence to show that this claim had also been a fabrication, or at least grossly mischaracterized, by Camp. The video Camp was actually shown was a work-related music video by a post-Mormon recording artist who Mormon Stories was considering for an interview. Camp and D'Lynn both watched the video as part of their due diligence to determine whether the artist would be an appropriate fit for the Mormon Stories audience, wherein they both agreed she was, and the artist's managers were immediately notified to arrange an appearance on the podcast. When the board tried to reach Camp to ask additional questions about her cryptic text messages, she refused to respond to them. Camp also stopped performing the majority of her job duties and refused to perform several tasks asked of her while the board was deliberating, demonstrating further unprofessional behavior. At that point, the board had no choice but to confirm its earlier decision and to terminate camp. The board did offer camp a severance, which is its standard practice when an employee is terminated. The next section is titled The Smear Campaign. Instead of accepting the severance or any accountability for her dishonesty and unprofessional behavior, Camp decided to further her agenda of launching her own podcast and to exact revenge on OSF by spreading information she knew to be untrue about her interactions with Delin. She began contacting OSF's listeners, donors, and former interviewees upon information and belief, to make increasingly exaggerated and untrue claims about how she had been treated by Dillon and OSF. Suddenly, a number of OSF donors canceled their monthly contributions to the show, and at least one scheduled interviewee canceled her appearance on the podcast. At that point, OSF and Delin reached out to some of the donors about the reason for their cancellations and were informed that Camp had been telling a number of people at a public event and in other private settings that she left OSF because she had been horribly mistreated and sexually harassed by Delin. Upon information and belief, she made other defamatory statements similar to the ones set forth below. The next section is titled First Defamatory Video. On or around October 23rd, 2022, Camp then proceeded to publish these statements to the world at large on one of her YouTube channels. While plugging her new podcast, Camp falsely claimed that Dallin physically threatened and intimidated her and sexually harassed her and other past OSF employees. She also falsely claimed that OSF has been trying to silence her and ostracize anyone who supports her. This video was also shared on TikTok. She made these statements knowing they were untrue and even after being informed that there was evidence to demonstrate their falsity. Second defamatory video. When OSF refused to cave to her attempts at blackmail, Camp released a second defamatory video on YouTube on January 29, 2023. Making wildly fabricated statements in an effort to harm OSF and Delyn and to ultimately drive traffic to her podcast and life coaching business. She did this using a YouTube handle at Morm Stories. That's M-O-R-M-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. One word. Morm Stories that was virtually identical to the Mormon Stories YouTube channel handle in order to publish her false statements more widely to Mormon Stories listeners. Kemp begins the podcast by virtue-flagging and promising to tell the truth, but then proceeds to tell countless verifiably false and intentionally harmful statements about OSF and Dolin. It is impossible to address all of her untruthful statements within these pleadings, but by way of representation, Camp made the following knowingly or recklessly false statements. Camp asserts that OSF and DeLynn acted illegally by fostering an environment of sexual harassment and covering up sexual harassment allegations against DeLynn. when she states, among other false statements, that a. she made an official claim of sexual harassment against DeLynn prior to a board meeting, and that OSF invited DeLynn to attend a board meeting to discuss that claim in violation of its sexual harassment policy. B, she claimed that she was not given adequate time to discuss her concerns at the board meeting, and C, that the OSF board did not investigate or respond to her concerns about the multiple claims, that's quote-unquote from Jen Camp, concerns about the multiple claims against DeLynn. Each of these statements was knowingly false, Camp indisputably never made a claim of sexual harassment to the board. Prior to the board meeting, the only complaint she made to the board was that she was upset that she had been required to come into the office on what she considered to be a work-from-home day. This is consistent with her statements at the board meeting, which was recorded. See Exhibit A. So, apparently the recording of the board meeting is filed along with this lawsuit. At no time during the board meeting did Camp say anything about harassment. Camp never made a claim, official or otherwise, of sexual harassment until after the board meeting when OSF notified her that her current position was not working and it was likely to restructure her position. Even then, she made no official claim. Instead, she sent the cryptic texts described in paragraphs 79 through 82 above in which she attached copies of OSF's anti-harassment and anti-discrimination statement, and in response to a question by the OSF board member, said that Camp had made an inappropriate joke to DeLynn, let me repeat that, said that Camp had made an inappropriate joke to DeLynn, that thinking about it now, it doesn't feel right, quote-unquote. The board, nevertheless, did follow up on the texts. It spoke to DeLynn and attempted to speak with Camp, About the texts and what they were referencing. In response to the questions posed by the board, DeLynn promptly provided evidence to show that A, the video Camp was referencing was not an explicit or objectively offensive video, B, it was part of DeLynn's and Camp's duties to watch the video to determine whether the singer was a good fit to be a Mormon Stories podcast guest, C, after viewing the video on DeLynn's desktop computer, Camp and DeLynn both agreed. That the singer should be interviewed and the singer's agents were immediately contacted with camp copied on the email and d camp made no objection and raised no concern about the nature of the video or her interactions with DeLynn to anyone at osf including DeLynn or the osf board camp knew her statements about the board not investigating her claims or following up with her are false because she failed to answer multiple calls from the board member Clint Martin between the board meeting and when she was eventually terminated. These statements were also made with reckless disregard for their veracity because Camp did not know what investigations the board engaged in. As described above, the board had asked Delin to explain his understanding of what she was referencing in the cryptic text message, and he provided them with the information set forth in paragraph 108 above, he also provided them with a copy of the video Camp referenced. Camp, however, refused to respond to the OSF's board's efforts to contact her for more information and to explain what she meant by her texts. Upon viewing the video and evidence provided by Delin, it was clear to the board that Camp's insinuations were false. The video was not inappropriate, was work-related, and was viewed by both as a normal part of the podcast candidate vetting process. Furthermore, at no point prior to her termination had Camp ever stated that DeLynn had made an inappropriate joke related to the video or used the words oral sex with her in any way. Instead, her post-board meeting texts directly contradict the assertion made in her video stating that she, not DeLynn, made the inappropriate joke. Camp's claims that she was surprised to have DeLynn attend, uncomfortable having DeLynn attend, and under a time constraint that did not allow her to tell her story during the board meeting, are directly contradicted by both the text exchanges leading up to and the actual footage of the board meeting, which was recorded with her knowledge and consent. Both show that her statements in this regard were also knowingly false. Camp was told prior to the meeting that De would be in attendance. She was told during the meeting that the Lynn could be excused if she wanted to discuss anything without him present. And she monopolized the nearly two-hour meeting, talking for two-thirds of the total meeting time. Never, at any time, did she insinuate that DeLynn had made sexual advances to her or other OSF employees, because he had not. Instead, she said that she and John work really well together, quote-unquote, are a really good team, quote-unquote, and that she loves her job, quote-unquote. Camp's claim that OSF blocked her from using any of her OSF accounts prior to the board meeting is also demonstrably false. Camp similarly knowingly or recklessly makes false claims that DeLynn sexually harassed 19 women at OSF by, among other false statements, stating a. that OSF adopted its anti-retaliation and harassment policy in response to claims made against DeLynn by multiple former employees. B. Repeatedly referring to legal claims made or otherwise had by multiple employees. C. Claiming that DeLynn had engaged in the same harmful pattern, quote-unquote, with, quote, at least 19 other women over the last 12 years, end of quote, two or more women per year. These claims were knowingly false or made with a reckless disregard for their veracity. The OSF anti-harassment and anti-retaliation statements were adopted in response to the Me Too movement and as a genuine reflection of OSF's values. There have never been any credible claims of sexual harassment made against Delin. The only false claim made against him was made years ago was investigated by two separate OSF boards and the New Hampshire Commission on Human Rights and was voluntarily withdrawn on two occasions after evidence was provided to show that the person making the claim had made an unwanted sexual advance towards Dillon and threatened to make false claims against him. Camp knew or had reason to know that her statements that she went to the board Quote, "to stop a harmful pattern that at least 19 other women in the past 12 years have experienced while working with John Delin," unquote, and that 19 women or 2 women per year for the last 12 years had been harassed by Delin were false. Most of the women Camp claims were harassed are completely unknown to Delin. Only 4 of the women ever worked for OSF and 2 of those never worked directly with Delin. The document Camp says shows that DeLynn harassed 19 women says nothing about harassment. In her video, Camp describes the conduct she claimed to have complained about to OSF. To be clear, the first time OSF heard of Camp's current version of what she claims happened as it relates to the video was after Camp was terminated and was only made by her attorney as part of a settlement demand. That version is directly contradicted by Camp's own text messages following the board meeting, in which she admits that she made a sexual joke to Lynn and admits that the video did not make her feel uncomfortable. Camp's accounts of what happened to her have continued to evolve significantly since her termination. The version Camp relates in her second podcast has never been shared with anyone at OSF prior to her podcast, and is adamantly denied by the people she claims to have witnessed it. It is also dramatically different than the version she sent to OSF in previous correspondence. Among other things, Camp claims that DeLynn and Kara Burrell engaged in sexual banter in front of Camp while at work and that she formally complained to DeLynn about it on at least four occasions. These statements are knowingly false. Camp did not formally complain to DeLynn about his interactions with Burrell because there was nothing to complain about. Both Burrell and DeLynn flatly deny Camp raised any concerns about sexual banter during Camp's OSF employment. Although OSF prioritized upholding its sexual harassment policy, Camp was never assigned with the primary task of enforcing it as she claims. Instead, OSF encouraged all of its employees to report promptly any violations to the board. Both in her podcast and upon information and belief in public settings that included OSF viewers, donors, and interviewees, Camp has claimed that the video she was asked to watch was sexually explicit and, quote, pornographic, unquote, or words to that effect, and she has specifically claimed that it was the video Juicy by Joe Sarah, in which a scantily clad woman talks explicitly about sex. This video was absolutely not the video shown to Camp, and Camp knows it. Forensic evidence establishes that the first time the Joe Sarah video, and that's Joe, J-O, apparently a female, the first time the Joe Sarah video was played on any device belonging to OSF or Delin was on the date Camp first made this false allegation against Delin. Forensic evidence establishes that the video played at OSF on or near the dates Camp claims was juicy, so the same title, but by Abby Anderson, a post-Mormon singer. The pop country video is objectively safe for work. Ms. Anderson is fully dressed throughout the video and uses playful and catchy lyrics that, although containing some innuendo, are not explicit, graphic, or otherwise offensive. Moreover, viewing this video was part of OSF's process and camp's job duties to vet people OSF plans to interview. Furthermore, DeLynn never made an inappropriate joke about the video. Camp's own text, in which she claims to have made a sexual joke, contradicts her current version of this encounter. Her text also contradicts her statements that she immediately felt uncomfortable and indicated such discomfort to DeLynn by freezing and or walking away, as she claims. Finally, in the video, Camp claims that on a different date, DeLynn was kissing his wife, Margie, in front of Camp, and suggested that he was sorry he could not do the same to Camp. Put simply, this never happened. Both John and Margie Dillon flatly deny this ever occurred. Moreover, the fact that this is a complete fabrication by Camp is supported by the fact that she never made such an outrageous claim prior to her second video release. That was the one from January 29, 2023. She never raised that incident or anything like it, to OSF's board even in the text she sent to OSF after the board meeting. Nor was such an incident ever raised in any of the correspondence from Camp's attorney when he was outlining what Camp thought to be her strongest examples of harassment. Camp also falsely states that OSF has tried to hide evidence, insinuating it had acted illegally by, among other false statements, a, stating that OSF's counsel had threatened her not to speak about her experience at OSF, and B, claiming that OSF deleted its transparency podcasts. These statements are knowingly false. None of OSF's transparency podcasts have been deleted. I think that's referencing to several podcasts that John DeLynn did, which he titled Transparency Podcasts. I think that's what it's referring to. Additionally, OSF's council has never been in direct contact with CAMP. To the extent any discussion has occurred between OSF and CAMP's council, OSF's council was adamant that any potential settlement agreement not include a confidentiality or non-disparagement provision so that OSF, Delin, and CAMP could each talk freely about their experiences with each other. OSF's counsel did ask Camp's counsel to advise Camp to cease and desist from making knowingly and verifiably false statements about OSF and Delin. Camp also falsely claims that Delin has stolen from her and misused OSF funds, with fabricated statements that A. OSF has refused to pay for unpaid overtime, B. Delin tried to hide Margie's salary from Camp, and C. Delin canceled events but kept money from them. Camp's statement that she is owed overtime lacks credibility because Camp was in charge of reporting her own payroll hours, was paid for every hour submitted, and for the vast majority of the time that she worked at OSF, was responsible for issuing her own paycheck. She also was repeatedly told by Delin and agreed never to work more than 40 hours per week. Furthermore, as discussed above, she was taking classes up to three days a week during the work week and, towards the end of her employment, was not completing even basic duties of her primary position at OSF. Despite the likelihood that Camp's claims for overtime are fabricated, OSF has not withheld any payment from her. OSF offered to pay the claimed amounts to Camp, stating through counsel, quote, I do want to remind you, though, of our earlier agreement to pay the unpaid overtime Ms. Camp is claiming. As you know, Ms. Camp was in charge of tracking her own hours and authorizing the amount for her own payroll checks. Due to that and the fact that she was instructed and agreed not to work more than 40 hours per week, OSF was quite surprised by this claim from Ms. Camp. That said, OSF is dedicated to paying its employees fairly, and if Ms. Camp legitimately worked hours she was not paid for, it wants to pay her for those. So that is apparently a quote from OSF's attorney to Jen Camp's attorney regarding that issue. Going on with the complaint, OSF requested confirmation from her counsel about amount and payment method, apparently for the unpaid hours Jen Camp was claiming. Camp did not respond. Similarly, there was nothing untoward or secret about Margie's pay. OSF pays several of its established podcast co-hosts $1,000 per episode, and it is a matter of public record. Camp knew the statement in her podcast was false. In the conversation where Camp claims that Delin slipped and told her Margie's rate, he actually stated, in writing, you already know what Margie gets paid per episode. That's what the board approved just like other established podcasters. Dillon certainly never took any money from camp or anyone for events that were canceled. Financial records established that no money was collected for those canceled events. Camp's statements to the contrary show a reckless disregard for their veracity and the undisguised intent to interfere with OSF's relationship to its listeners and donors. Camp also claims that DeLynn and OSF treated her improperly and acted unlawfully when DeLynn watched the Women's Voice podcast she had hosted and purportedly used that information to publicly reveal that she had been abused without her consent. And I think that means to publicly reveal that information without her consent. Obviously, if she had been abused, that would have been without her consent. These statements are knowingly false. Among other things, Camp specifically asked DeLynn, to review the podcast. She now claims that he watched over her objections and made it clear to him that she wanted it to be promptly released. Camp's claim that delin intentionally told everyone at the beginning of the August 10th podcast that she was sexually abused as a child without her permission and with an intention to retaliate against her is objectively false. Camp had publicly disclosed that she was abused in an earlier episode of the podcast aired on July 5th 2022, saying that she had personal experiences, quote-unquote, with abuse. That same week, she told Lynch she wanted to tell her full abuse story in her own Mormon Stories podcast episode and scheduled her interview. Camp also disclosed her abuse on the July 22nd podcast, which she believed would be soon aired, and used it as a teaser for her own Mormon story. In that podcast, she stated, I am going to tell my story in August, So, I won't go into all the details now. When I was young, between the ages of six and nine, I was sexually abused. Dillon's only statement on the August 10 podcast was that Camp was going to, at some future point, discuss her own, quote, personal experiences of abuse within a Mormon context, unquote. This general statement did not say anything about the nature of the abuse or whether it happened to her directly. It certainly did not state that she had been sexually abused, as she asserts in her video. Finally, in her podcast, Camp admits that she was advised by her counsel that she lacks a legal basis for her claims, but that she nevertheless decided to file a claim against DeLynn and members of the OSF board. She further admits that she did not file the lawsuit to resolve any dispute, but rather to make a public record of her allegations, her false allegations in the complaint, the word false is in parentheses, and make a public record of her false allegations to embarrass DeLin and harm OSF. Now we get to the first cause of action by OSF and DeLin against Gen Camp in this complaint. First cause of action, tortious interference with economic relationships. Camp intentionally interfered with OSF's business relationships by, among other things, engaging in the following conduct. A. Making false statements to OSF's contributors, supporters, audience, and donors about OSF and DELIN. B. Intentionally interfering in the operations of OSF. C. Intentionally making false allegations against OSF and DELIN for the purpose of disrupting OSF's business and in knowing or reckless disregard that such conduct would harm OSF's relationship with its audience, contributors, supporters, and donors. D. Destroying information and or evidence of Delin's innocence and of her misconduct. CAMP used improper means to interfere with the relationship between OSF and Delin and OSF's contributors, supporters, audience, and donors, including via defamation and disseminating intentionally false claims. As a result of CAMP's actions, OSF and Delin have been damaged in an amount to be proved at trial. Because Camp's conduct was intentional, OSF and Delin are also entitled to punitive damages. Second cause of action, defamation per se. Camp has intentionally made false and misleading statements to others about OSF and Delin, asserting or implying that they had violated the law, physically threatened and sexually harassed Camp. When those statements were made, Camp knew they were false, and or she made them with reckless disregard for their veracity and with the intent to purposefully injure Delin and OSF. Camp's statements were not privileged. The defamatory statements made against Delin and OSF constitute defamation per se and entitle it to damages as a result of the harm to OSF's business and OSF and Delin's reputation. Additionally, Delin and OSF have suffered special and actual damages as a result of the defamatory statements in an amount to be determined at trial. Camp's conduct was in bad faith, with malice and with reckless indifference to DeLynn and OSF's rights. DeLynn and OSF are thereby entitled to punitive damages in an amount to be determined at trial. Third cause of action, breach of trademark. Plaintiffs have a protectable interest in their common law trademark, Mormon Stories. They have used that name for decades and built up significant goodwill for that business name, which is well-recognized in the community. Camp intentionally used a substantially similar mark, the YouTube handle, at Stories, in an effort to drive business to her podcast and away from the actual Mormon Stories YouTube channel. There is a substantial likelihood of confusion because the names for each are virtually identical and the services each provides are very similar. They are both podcasts about the stories of post-Mormons. Camp intentionally used a similar mark in an effort to draw business away from plaintiffs and to confuse listeners looking for Mormon Stories. OSF is entitled to injunctive relief, immediately prohibiting camp from using the handle Morm Stories and to damages in the amount of any business, including advertising funds or donations, that was diverted from Mormon Stories or received by camp on that YouTube channel. Fourth cause of action, injunctive relief. Plaintiffs are entitled to immediate injunctive relief, ordering camp to immediately remove all YouTube and Instagram videos making any defamatory statements. Plaintiffs have and will continue to suffer irreparable harm if an injunction does not issue in the form of their destroyed reputation, goodwill, and business. There is a substantial likelihood plaintiffs will prevail on the merits, because there is significant evidence that camp statements are fabricated, knowingly false, and or made with a reckless indifference for their veracity. The balance of harm weighs in the favor of plaintiffs. Public policy favors the plaintiffs. The injunction should issue immediately to require the removal of Camp's video and use of the YouTube channel affiliated with her Morm Stories handle. We then have a prayer for relief, wherefore, plaintiffs respectfully request the following relief, A, an award of damages against defendant in an amount to be proven at trial, but not less than $50,000, B, an award of pre- and post-judgment interest to the maximum extent allowed by law, C, an award of punitive and exemplary damages as allowed for by law, D, an award of attorney's fees and costs of collection as allowed for by law, and E. Any other relief to which plaintiff is entitled, as allowed by law. F. Injunctive relief. And G. For any other relief necessary and just under the circumstances dated the 7th day of February 2023. Signed, Attorneys for Plaintiffs Jennifer L. Tomchak and Shane D. Gostis. Well, that is the entirety of the complaint filed against Gen Camp by OSF and John DeLynn on February 7th, 2023. We will see where this leads. I will keep you updated as things develop well that's about all for tonight until next time this is radio free mormon broadcasting behind enemy lines